0: Bill Clinton's former housekeeper's daughter vanishes. The 16-year-old goes missing from Hot Springs, Arkansas. Jeffrey Lynn Smith was last seen walking home from school with her boyfriend, just a few blocks away from her home after she disappeared. During the investigation, police assume Jeffrey simply ran away from home, but information is later revealed that may lead the police to more plausible theories for her disappearance. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library. Let's study the unknown story of Jeffrey Lynn Smith. It's December 4th, 1985, and Jeffrey Lynn Smith, who's 16 years old, is on her way home from school. She's walking with her boyfriend, Frank Hanna, and a friend named Lisa. The three of them are making their way toward the intersection of Crescent and Silver Street in Hot Springs, Arkansas, when Jeffrey's aunt notices her niece walking home and drives up to chat. Her aunt stops, rolls down the window, and asks the three teens if they want a ride home. They decide that they're fine, and they will walk the rest of the way. So Jeffrey's aunt drives away, and Lisa parts ways with Jeffrey and her boyfriend. According to Jeffrey's friend Lisa, she watches the couple walk away together as she heads in a different direction towards home. By the end of the night, when Jeffrey doesn't return home, her mother begins to worry almost immediately. This isn't like Jeffrey. So she makes a call to Jeffrey's older sister, who's named Lisa Murray and shares her concerns about Jeffrey's disappearance, and they both fear that something horrible happened to Jeffrey. Where could she be? If her aunt just saw her walking home only a few blocks from her destination, what happened to her between that interaction near Crescent Street and when she should have arrived home safely? After her disappearance is reported to local authorities, investigators automatically assume that Jeffrey is another teenage runaway. But her family insists that that's not the case, that Jeffrey is not the type to run away from home. And it becomes clear to the family that the police are not taking Jeffrey's missing persons case seriously. Investigators take statements from her boyfriend, Frank. In these statements, Frank claims that he parted ways with Jeffrey just a few blocks away from her home, And from my research, that is the extent of the questioning between Frank Hanna and the police. According to the Resource Center for Cold Case Missing Children's Cases, Frank's statements have been insufficient. This appears to be the extent to which Jeffrey's disappearance is investigated, because the police initially consider Jeffrey's disappearance to be a case of a teenage runaway, they don't investigate further, they don't even question Frank further, and they don't classify her disappearance as endangered. Eventually, the case becomes cold. According to Jeffrey's sister, Lisa Murray, the police didn't take Jeffrey's missing persons case seriously because she was a black girl who went missing. She claims that, quote, her case wasn't given the credence because of who she was. She was black and they put no value in her life, end quote. And I can see where Lisa is coming from. Why were police so insistent that she was a runaway? what evidence led the police to this conclusion just as there was little evidence pointing to foul play there was the same amount of evidence pointing to this being a runaway there was no evidence that jeffrey was ever a runaway in the past just because it can't be ruled a murder or abduction it doesn't automatically point to a runaway what i find interesting is that this case happened only three years after the disappearance of william christopher Delk, an 18 year old black man who vanished from the south bronx i told his story last week And I mentioned that the 1980s was a time where missing persons reports weren't always taken seriously all around, especially missing persons reports with older children at the center. Often, the disappearance of older children were immediately classified as runaways, regardless of race. But what I will never understand is that those who knew Jeffrey the best, like her family, insist that she would never run away. Why did police refuse to take this factor into account? And things got worse for the Smith family, when local police decided to use their power to hurt rather than to help the family. One day, the police call the Smith family and tell them that they made some new discoveries in Jeffrey's case. Obviously anxious about the news and even hopeful that a break had been made in the case, Jeffrey's mother and stepfather head to the station. But according to Jeffrey's sister, this was all just a ruse. Because when Jeffrey's mother and stepfather arrive at the station, her stepfather was arrested for an outstanding traffic warrant. Not only were police failing to do their job, but they were actively playing games with the Smith family, making an already stressful and painful situation worse with a petty traffic warrant. Years and years pass, and the Smith family is still left in the dark. The police have clearly given up on the case and the family is stuck in limbo with no answers about Jeffrey's missing persons case the case remains unsolved. In 2002, 22 years after Jeffrey went missing, the family reviewed Jeffrey's missing persons file and what they found disturbed them. According to Jeffrey's sister, Lisa, the family found many inconsistencies, including one of the case's biggest flaws, the questioning of Frank Hanna. You see, soon after Jeffrey went missing, A ring that was gifted to Jeffrey by her mother, the same ring she was wearing that day she went missing, was later found in a pawn shop. And the family believes that Frank Hanna was the one who pawned the ring. Despite this information, the police interview of Frank was reportedly woefully insufficient. According to Lisa, quote, The interview consisted of them standing at his door and asking him a question. They interviewed him for five minutes. My mom and dad sat outside the door and watched. End quote. There's more that may point to Frank Hanna as a suspect in the disappearance of Jeffrey. Jeffrey's family had concerns that Frank was abusing Jeffrey, and according to the Charlie Project, Jeffrey revealed to her sister that she wanted to end her relationship with Frank. What comes out years after Jeffrey's disappearance may support this claim that Jeffrey was stuck in an abusive relationship and that it may have ultimately led to her disappearance. According to the Charlie Project, Frank Hanna was imprisoned years later after Jeffrey's disappearance for assaulting another girlfriend. This seems like clear proof that Frank Hanna is a dangerous man, an abusive man, a man that was capable of making Jeffrey disappear in 1985. After all, he was the last person to have seen Jeffrey, not to mention, Jeffrey was seriously considering ending the relationship. Did she suggest breaking up that day? Did it anger Frank? Did he decide that if he couldn't have her, then no one could? Lisa Murray believes that there is a great chance that her sister was murdered that December day. She says, quote, I myself am 99.9% certain that she was murdered. We want to get her remains. We want to have answers. We hope to, at some point, know what happened, as painful as that may be. Quote. In 2010, prosecutors used equipment and cadaver dogs to search fields and hot springs to make sure that Jeffrey's body wasn't there. Nothing was found, but that didn't stop her family from pushing for answers. In 2012, the investigation into Jeffrey's disappearance was reopened and stated that they had a person of interest. Investigators believe that it is highly likely she was killed on December 4th, 1985. It appears that law enforcement has since stepped up and done their jobs. They began assigning detectives to re-examine the case on their personal time and prosecutors are now willing to follow new leads. According to Lisa, the attitude of the local police has changed greatly, and it may be due to the changing times. She says, quote, I can tell I'm dealing with a different force. There's a different mindset. It's not about the package. It's about a human life. Their attitudes have changed. If the murder happened today, I would think it would be totally different. End quote. Although the circumstances of Jeffrey's disappearance are heartbreaking and maddening, there may be a hope and resolution. Eventually, Jeffrey Lynn Smith became a part of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The hope is that now that she's in the database, someone out there will come forward about what they know about Jeffrey's disappearance. Her sister also has hope for future missing children. With new technology and resources that weren't available for Jeffrey, it will hopefully make it more difficult for children to stay missing. Unfortunately, Jeffrey's mother can't speak about the case without breaking down, so Lisa continues fighting on behalf of her mother. While she waits for answers, Lisa Murray, who now lives in Pennsylvania, continues to advocate for her sisters and others. She volunteers for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. In an article with News One, Lisa reveals how painful it is to heal from such loss, saying, quote, It's one thing to die when you've lived your life, but when you don't have that person and you never know what happened, there is never any healing, end quote. Although her sisters presumed death is hard to accept at times, She says she has forgiven whoever killed her sister, and that her primary goal now is to finally get some justice. If you have any information about the case of Jeffrey Lynn Smith, please contact the Hot Springs Police Department at 501-321-6789. The Lost Crimes Library podcast will be off next week, but will return with another new episode on April 7th. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Lost Crimes Library, you can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the LCL pod for any podcast updates. Remember, sharing is caring, so make sure to share this podcast and also leave a review. It helps a lot. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes. This episode was written and hosted by Nisa Henderson, and it was produced by Channing Tapp and Nisa Henderson.